You've created your business and now it's time to protect it. Whether it's your podcast, speaking engagements that you do virtually or live on in-person stages or the community that you've built, you want to make sure that what you've created is taken care of and well protected. This is where AWB contract templates come in. They're customizable, quick and easy to complete and cost a fraction of working with a lawyer one-on-one. They have tons of options available so you can choose the ideal one for your business needs. It's an instant download. You get a Word doc template, you fill in the blanks and in about 20 minutes, you're all done. Visit pauseontheplay.com forward slash contracts today to pick out your new business contracts. And when you check out, be sure to use the code play for 20% off your contract purchase. That's P-L-A-Y in all caps for 20% off. Protect your business with AWB contract templates. There's no shortage of business tools out there that promise to make your life easier, to make the process smooth, to streamline all the things, but sometimes you just don't know what's different and being able to hear from someone that's used it can take some of the guesswork out of it. If you're looking for something that's gonna simplify the client experience, give you a smooth, simple, and easy process, well, HoneyBook is the one for you. I've used it for years with my wedding clients. I've used it when it comes to contracts, timelines, proposals. It allows me to keep all these things in one place and it keeps my communication customized, branded for me so that people know exactly who it is that's emailing them and that they are in good hands. All the templates that you need to keep it simple are all there. Again, those brochures, those contact forms that you can pop on your website so your clients can hop right on then in the pipeline and you can keep the process going. You can invite your team or keep it streamlined if you are working as a solopreneur. Automations, workflows, all the things to keep your back office running like a well-oiled machine. And if you're ready to step into that place and try something new, recommend it by me. Go on over to the show notes, get the code, and you will get 50% off trying out HoneyBook today. That's right, 50% off. So go on over, visit the show notes, check it out, find out how it is going to be the thing that is going to make a difference for you. Got questions? Want to know more? Go on over to HoneyBook.com today. to pause on the play. As always, it is amazing to see you here where you are challenged to examine your beliefs, question your predisposed notions, and consider realities you may have been unfamiliar with in order to understand that they too are real. I am your host and conversation MC for the day, Erica Corday, along with my co-host, India Jackson, here to get the dialogue going. So India and I have been talking about uh, how a lot of people can tend to use the word coach incorrectly. It's a word that is overused, it's an industry that sometimes is oversaturated with the wrong kinds of people. And so we're going to actually go in and break down a little bit of what coaching is, what it isn't, what's the difference between a coach, a consultant, and a mentor. And you'll also get a little bit of insight into what it looked like for me to actually take my course and become a certified coach and where I'm just even, you know, at a point I'm still going to learn. I have much more that I'm going to continue to add to you know, my arsenal of skills and tactics and things of that nature. So we're going to actually go into it so that you know a little bit more about what these things are, what they aren't, 
and you'll hear a little bit more about what my journey was and what makes me qualified. So India, you've asked me some questions lately and it seemed like you wanted some clarification so that you knew, but it was also a really good conversation and we've been really purposeful lately of making it a point that when those conversations start, we will literally say pause and we hold it until we can bring it here. So um, you were asking about kind of the, like kind of what goes into being a coach, the difference between coaches, that kind of thing. So um, I'm paraphrasing. So I'm going to let you ask the questions that uh, I think more people than we realize probably have and just maybe don't know how to ask or what to ask. Yeah, of course. Like, and side note, I'm super excited to go back to like our original format of we're having a conversation. Uh, skirt, pause. Let's hit record. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, all right, let's do it. <laughs> Sweet. So one of my first questions, or I guess statements at this point that comes up is that people use the word coach and consultant interchangeably. I see a lot of people using the word coach that might be a consultant. Um, I also run into people calling me a coach and I know that I am not a coach. Um, so I think it'd be really good for you to explain from your standpoint, like, how are you defining consultant and how are you defining coach? So in my opinion, the word coach is just overused. So I'm just going to start with that. It's used very lax. Uh, but I will say that I think part of it sometimes is people will sometimes think of a coach in the sense of like, you're being an athlete or like you're doing something around a specific thing. And in some cases, it's like, oh, I'm an Olympic athlete, so I can coach you on how to be an Olympic athlete. And so um, there are places that, yes, if you've done something successfully, you can sometimes teach someone else. But what <laughs> what has happened is, I said sometimes, sometimes. <laughs> I'm an athlete. Um, I cannot coach you on proper form and biomechanics because I do not have that certification. Well, but that's the exact thing. It is one thing to teach someone what you've learned works well for you, uh, tips, tricks, ways that you've seen that something can work versus, you know, a nutritionist kind of like somebody taking on that title that's like, yeah, I figured out how to be healthy for myself and I'm going to teach you too. Ooh, please, boo, don't do that. So I think uh, to me, it's when you get something that has like actual there's some hard and fast stuff with it that isn't going to be the same with everybody and that there's some basics that you need to know. Like I'm a, I'm a senior cosmetologist. And basically what that means is I've gotten a license and have done additional training to teach someone else what I know, but to know the chemical standpoint of it, um, some of the biological kind of pieces, the like, you know, the bones in the head kind of thing. And so just anybody that picks up a, a curling iron and a brush and it's like, oh, you know, I do hair. Yeah, you do hair. You're not a cosmetologist. And even the do hair part might be a stretch. Yeah, I said it. So. <laughs> oh, so, but hold on. I think that there's another layer to that is that, again, sometimes we know our industry so well that we don't realize the layers to it. But or we just kind of breeze past things other people may not know. But I will mm -hmm. say the only reason I know this is because you and I have talked about it. 
that I didn't know that there was two different levels of license to be a cosmetologist and you have to pass as like a state board and you have to keep that license updated and renewed because you're dealing with chemicals. Like I understood that concept, but I didn't know that there was like a, correct me if I'm wrong, there's a basic license to be able to do people's hair legally. And then there's also like a secondary license that is a senior cosmetologist, which means you are so advanced in your education that you can teach people and guide me through that. But like when they're done, they're actually able to get their own license through education with you, correct? Yeah. So basically being a senior cosmetologist means that someone can work under me kind of as an apprentice and they can actually get their training in. We actually have to do book work with them. Like I think it's, if I remember correctly, it was 30 or 35 hours a week that have to be done. They have to be submitted and signed off on. And you have to make sure that this person can then go after two years worth of time, because that's how long it takes, because that was actually what I did. I started to go to school and then it was expensive. So I stopped and I did an apprenticeship. And once you do that, you need to be able to pass that, that test. So there's a written test and there's a practical test. So in order for me to help somebody do that, I need to be able to actually teach them. And I've actually taught cosmetology school. I was a Paul Mitchell um, instructor. So, you know, this isn't something I just decided to do. And it's also something I've been doing for over 20 years. So that's it makes me think about like being a life coach. Everybody's a life coach these days. And I think a lot like hair, there's some risk there, whether we realize it or not. So, and and sometimes we don't realize it until it's like too late. So you go to somebody who doesn't actually have their license for hair, you risk a lot of things. I can say from my experience as a past client of other hairstylists, I've gotten my hair burned. I've gotten (laughs) um, my hair colored so light that it broke off. I've walked away with my hair orange. Um, I've had my hair pulled so tightly that it came out from the root in different types of braided styles. So these are the things that you risk from somebody who isn't licensed and and properly educated for what you said was like two years to be able to do this. What does this look like with a coach in your industry of being a life coach? So again, it's a word that's very overused. And it was something that before I actually kind of got into the industry, I didn't fully know what that meant or what went into it. So there are a lot of people that are utilizing that title and working under that umbrella of, yes, I'm a coach, that have never taken a class a day in their life. They have no types of certification. They have no advanced certifications. They, you know, it's it's like somebody coming in and saying, I can do your taxes, but I'm not a CPA or an accountant. And you'd be like, excuse me, what? I don't know that you can do this properly and not have the IRS after me. And so when it comes to coaching, there is a place of what you are maybe good at, but there's also a place of like, how have you been trained? So for me, I, I have both in the sense that I have... I have been in the customer service industry for an extremely long time. Part of it is innate for me, but at the same time, I have had to talk with people in a way that those pieces of empathy, listening, you know, facilitating conversation, 
those are some of the things that like you, you kind of got to have that you got to teach. It's very much like you can have somebody that is a skilled doctor on paper, but your bedside manner sucks. So like, that's the thing. So I, I, I have some innate ability. However, when it was something that I decided that I wanted to pursue, I actually went and took a course. There is, I think it's ICF. It is an overarching um, accredited, accrediting body that basically says these schools are accredited where we're going to recognize their hours. These can then go towards you doing more and being able to basically say, okay, I work at this level because I've done X, Y, Z amounts of things. Here we go. And so I took my um, classes, which took me a year and a half. It was 18 months of me having to take classes, have notes. I had to actually do peer coaching with other people and we were evaluating each other. I had to actually do what they would kind of call, oh gosh, what was it? It was essentially where you'd have say eight people in the room. And mm-hmm. each time you'd have at least two times of somebody having to coach and be coached. So you would actually have to go through that. And there's somebody that's evaluating you and helping you to hone your craft. I had to go through and actually have a partner for six weeks. We would meet and that person and I would have to swap off coaching each other. And they were grading us on uh, the PCC level markers, which is essentially a, a higher level than what, Um, you would actually have to be measured at to graduate, but that's where they chose to um, actually kind of audit our coaching at. I had to write, I had to do a research paper. I I had to have a power tools model, which was essentially what I used uh, in my coaching to actually facilitate things. I went through things. Pause, pause, pause. Go. What the hell is a power tools model? You just breathe (laughs) past that. Like it's nothing. Um, You had to basically come up with you had to kind of decide the area that you wanted to coach in and how you were going to like kind of how you chose to do your coaching. So for example, um, I think a lot of people have heard of like smart goals or the grow model, smart goals. I think, what is it like uh, small measurable, something like that. Um, the grow model, I can't remember what it stands for, but it's essentially a way of like, this is where I start you. This is the next thing. This is the next thing. And this is how we get to your goal. So it's kind of the steps and procedures that you utilize in the way that you coach people. So I had to actually come up with a way that I chose to coach people. And I actually use quite a bit of that. Now, when we go through the whole audit, and you know actionable steps and you're you're essentially getting to your goal when we actually go through and say okay how are we working with people what where do you start where do you go next and I had to do that I had to record myself coaching someone else for 30 minutes to be evaluated and that shit was nerve-wracking because I'm like if I screw this up I gotta pay and I gotta do it all over again (laughs) I had to put in time effort and a lot of work. I was taking, I mean, I remember days that I was taking classes at 2 a.m. because it's an international program. I took mine through ICA and there were people all over what the globe. What is ICA, girl? What, you and your acronyms. What is international, ICA? International, what was it? International Coaching Academy, I think it is. Um, and ICF, okay. which I mentioned before, is the International 
Wrestling Federation. Again, that's the, the overarching thing. It's just like if you went to like a, a med board, it's like, who gives you your license? Like, who are you governed by? Um, so there's many places that are accredited by it. Not all. There's a lot of people out here saying I can train you how to be a coach and they're not accredited. Maybe there is some value in what they're giving. I'm not going to discredit the whole thing, but it's not accredited by the federation that actually is saying we recognize what this particular person or entity is teaching when it comes to coaching. So I had to do all of those things. And let's also acknowledge that that also means that I'm working through my own shit while I'm doing it because I can't show up and coach somebody else. If I'm not clear on what empathy looks like, I can't talk to you about your ability to see yourself clearly and what your self-judgment looks like if I'm not clear on what self-judgment actually is. So the different classes that I had to take, whether it was, you know, what are the logistics that are actually going into this? Like, um, how are you setting up your like actual contracts with people? I also am having to go through like visualizations and, um, just you, you you don't pick up a book and just decide to be a coach that's a goddamn lie you don't well, <laughs> hold you up have- some people some people ain't even picking up the book they just are like oh yeah i can train you on this i'm gonna say i'm a coach yeah mm-hmm. give me your money mm-hmm. i'm mm-hmm. sorry but i'm seeing it left and right like people go it's a from- lot I do this one thing to coach overnight. I'm like, since when did you learn how to be a coach? When did you get some framework to allow space for people to have emotional vulnerability with you and emotional safety? And, and, Um, and that's, that's no, but what (laughs) you, but you also touched on something else. There are things that we were taught that I remember at certain points feeling like I know these things. And I don't think that there's a person that's ever been through any type of schooling or training you included India that hasn't had that point where they're like, I already know this. Why am I sitting in here? But that doesn't mean that that was it. So if there was something that I felt like I knew it, then that also meant that there was some additional learning that I could do on my own to further what I was getting there. Because classes and and um, courses and training, that's a starting place. So for me, I kept going. When it came to the information that I took in to further my own knowledge around somebody being seen and seeing others, somebody being able to understand the difference between self and ego and that type of stuff, understanding how like something like essentialism is going to be a part of how well you're able to not overwhelm yourself if you feel like you're trying to do all the things. I did that on my own. So that was me taking the pieces and the cornerstones I was given and then making them into a bigger thing that I continue to learn more about. And there's additional things that I'm continuing to do to be able to, you'll see people that have extra letters behind their name. And I'm actually going to call out somebody that I highly value. And she um, does this stuff in this um, Lee Shea McDonough. She's got all these letters behind her name. I know what those letters mean. Because those letters means that she kept her education going and she continued to learn more and more and more. She started in one place and she continued to grow from that. And while I don't think that the letters behind your name is the end all be all to whether or not you're good, can you at least have the capacity to pick those up? Can we start there? Well, so I want to, 
kind of recap some of the things that I heard. A, there is a framework for what you do. It's not just, oh, I'm going to just step on in here and coach somebody. Like there's Mm -hmm. a framework behind that. Um, We don't necessarily have to go on that on this episode. Maybe we can dive into some of that on another one. But you can't ask leading questions, for example. You can't implant things in people or tell them what to do. There's an entire framework that you learned in your classes. Um, Well, and I'm going to pause you on that. I'm going to pause you on that because this is one of the other things. I do what's considered blended coaching, which means I ask questions and I'll actually give you statements that will um, support you doing something. But pure coaching, P-U-R-E, coaching that they teach us is question-based. You're not giving people statements. You're not saying, well, you should go do this. First of all, you're not telling anybody to go do anything short of, you know, I think that you need to go see a therapist because I'm not qualified to be able to help you. That's a thing too. But hold up, it is Pause based on, that, on questions. That's a thing is that you are trained to say that because I feel like people who haven't gotten formal education on how to be a coach, they're not saying that. And they don't have that kind of like how doctors have like do no harm. You guys have right. do no pretending to be a therapist. But I see other people not knowing where that line ends. And now you're getting into the zone of somebody actually needs like a clinical psychologist and yet you're still trying to treat them like you can help them fix the problem. No, you no. can't. And you're actually doing no. harm at that point. That's reckless. You, you, you can't. You can't. And that's the problem when people say they're a life coach and you start going into life stuff. And it starts to go to a place where you're like, oh, shit, they're volatile. Um, they're not stable. And I'm not really sure how this is going to go. It is one thing for mm-hmm. someone to not listen to what um, what you guys are talking about or maybe not take action. It is another for somebody to be in a place where they need help that you are not qualified to provide and you still stay with that. Yeah. Like that so, part? No. Mm-mm. I think that that's huge, though, because uh, I don't want to scare people, but... I feel like when you have, just be, you know, be informed. You guys are now informed. When you are looking for a coach, you may want to look at or ask what kind of training have they had because you're trusting a good part of how you see yourself to a degree or the decisions that you're making and the way you're being guided through them with this person. So you need to know that they have certain skills. Even it might not have to be full-blown certification, I don't believe everybody has to have a degree or whatever in what they're doing, but just ask well-informed questions, please. And I'm also going to say like what else I heard you reflect back is you didn't just go straight into coaching people like, oh, I want to be a coach. And tomorrow you literally start taking clients paid. (laughs) You had hours and hours and hours and hours of practice that were supervised hmm. Correct. Correct. And that's where that's where I feel like if you don't have anything, you don't have that opportunity to hone your craft, because the reality is, is that, again, like I said, I had a certain amount and still do um, a certain amount of natural ability. And when I started, 
that was something that I remember at one point feeling like, oh yeah, I can do this. I got this. And the first time I was actually in, um, like one of my supervised coaching classes and having to coach and then be evaluated, I was like, oh, this is what this is. (laughs) And so I remember the first time I did a lot of people were like, wow, I would never have thought this was your first time. But my, my instructor was like, yeah, so this was good. However, this is where you can work on this. You can work on this. You can work on this. And honestly, that was what needed to happen because I did not need to have a false sense of security of how good I was. And then I'm going to go out here and fuck up somebody's life. No, like I talked with people about racism. I don't want to do something that's going to put somebody in a questionable space because of me. I have no control over how someone chooses to react, but I have my own control over what I choose to contribute. So I can try to make good choices. And I don't think that it's a good choice to just be out here willy nilly throwing coach on your name just because it sounded good and you see everybody else doing it and you think it's a great way to make some money fast and a lot of it. Please don't dilute the industry like that. I have seen it happen too often in the beauty industry. So I already have my feelings around the fact that there's too many people out here saying, I picked up a makeup brush or a comb, so I'm a hairstylist or a makeup artist, and you out here giving people pink eye and and um, snatching people's I've edges. I've seen <laughs> people a huge increase in the gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> that hurts. <laughs> Yeah, because your makeup artist does not know how to do proper sanitation techniques with their lipsticks and glosses. And so, I'm sorry, you know, (laughs) no, that's true. No, but you're absolutely right because people don't think about that. And so, I when I see that happening and I watch that over yet, I still see it. Um, and then when I decided to then add coaching to something that I did. I was in no way, shape, or form okay to just hop into it and be like, yeah, it's fine. Like, I don't have to do anything. Oh, yeah, absolutely I did. And it didn't feel good to me to be like, yeah, I'm going to go out here and try to start doing something that I'm going to charge for and charge well for it because I deserve to be paid well for my skill and my time and my effort to do what I do. But to do that with no type of training, no type of framework, no idea of what I'm doing, just nothing that taps you into human behavior. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. And it's very difficult to watch an entire industry be based on, be based on somebody's um self-confidence level. I can do this. I got this. I know how to do it. Says who? <laughs> yeah. So, I think a big takeaway from me watching you go through this process from day one of I don't know what a coach is to day whatever of I'm licensed, you know, and I'm doing this thing and I'm changing people's lives. I think the number one thing that I saw happen was that you actually care about your clients a lot. Mm. I'm going to say sometimes too much. (laughs) Agree. Fully agree on that. They take up a lot of space. Yes. And I think that somebody who really, really cares about the clients 
they're going to do due diligence to make sure that they have the education and the training to fully support them, to fully understand what they need, how to facilitate the changes they want to see. And that's any type of coach. I mean, honestly, even bringing it back to nutrition and fitness, which is a little bit more of what I'm familiar with, even that type of coach, if you really care about your clients, you're going to learn biomechanics. You're not just going to arbitrarily do things because you know that when you do that, you literally have their body and in your case, their mental health in your hands. Mm -hmm. Like, and you only have one body and one mind. So (sighs) find you a coach that actually cares, please. And it's not just in it for the money. That's my soapbox today is it has to be more than just, I heard that they were great and they've had a lot of clients or they're affordable. Like they need to actually care about you. And so the last thing I'm going to say is there is a difference. And we were taught this between a coach, a consultant and a mentor. A mentor is someone that's like, yeah, I've done this and I'll share my experience and my information from you. Think about an, an older family member Um, that maybe was a business owner that you want to learn from or a professor if you're in college. Consultant is someone that's like, I'm going to come in and tell you what you need to do to fix the problems that you have. You hear that very often come into like corporations and, and businesses and essentially say, this is how you trim the fat. This is what you need to do to fix your morale, or this is how you can, uh, cut your bottom line and, and that kind of stuff. But a coach is somebody that they're not coming in to tell you what to do. They're not there to give you advice. They're not there to um, pass judgment. They're there to ask you questions, to get you to realize that you already know the answers to everything that you're seeking. That's essentially what the bare bones bottom line difference is. And so I do blended coaching, which is essentially is kind of coaching and consulting. So there's some things that I can tell you when we start talking about company culture, community guidelines, there are things that I'm going to tell you from that point of view, but I'm not going to tell you what to do. I'm not going to tell you how to do it. I'm going to ask you, why does this matter to you? Why is this something that you want to do? How's it going to feel when you get this? Are you getting the outcome that you really wanted? And if so, you know, how do you feel about it now? So that's where you're going to get both of those, but understand that there's a difference between coach, consultant, and mentor. And it is important to understand which one you're paying for and what you're actually getting. I agree 100%. And I'm going to add in that if you have one of those, it doesn't mean that you don't need the other. Each one has a purpose. Yes. Indy and I had a great conversation there. And this type of conversation is exactly why India and I created Pause on the Play, the community. It's a space where you can come in and actually be able to get support shoulder to shoulder with other individuals and business owners that are looking to make change and impact and really do something good in the world. And it's an opportunity for you to be able to get support to be able to talk through where you are, what it is that you need, and just being able to figure out, okay, what's the next step? Where am I going? And how am I going to get there? And the biggest thing is you do not have to go alone. So knowing that can change everything. It's a $97 a month investment. And for that, you have a private Facebook group with Indy and I, where you're able to get dialogue and support. You get one 
Zoom Zoom session. Yeah, look at that. I'm telling you, being home, it's a lot. <laughs> One Zoom session a month. That's an hour long. And you're able to actually get some Q&A to be able to get individualized answers to where you are, what you're doing, and how to move the needle forward. You get weekly check-ins that are going to help to keep you accountable, but we're also helping you to make sure that integration and implementation are keeping you in imperfect action. And I want you in the room. We want you in the room. The community needs you in the room. Come on over to pauseontheplay.com forward slash community and learn more and sign up today. If you enjoyed this podcast, show us some love by subscribing, share with a friend, or come on over and leave us a review. You know that reviews are the fuel to keep the podcast engine going. Let's get more people dropping the veil, challenging their thoughts, feelings, and actions. As always, we love being here and creating the bridge for you to walk over to become the change that you want to see. So join us next time. And until then, keep the dialogue going. Bye. Ready to get clear on what matters? Let's do this. From implicit to explicit is a framework that helps you to get clear on what matters and how it informs the way you live and lead in your workplace. Whether it's focusing on the team building and connection that can happen when you talk about what matters to you as a person or how it informs the outcomes that you seek in your business, it can all completely change the game. Having clarity on what your values are and how this shapes the way your work creates the foundation for every action that you take and then sharing this information across your team explicitly. This is what creates confidence and integrity in what it is that you are creating and sharing with the world. Visit pauseontheplay.com forward slash explicit to learn more about this collaborative and interactive workshop and sign up today. Ready to lead through your values?